Welcome to the Damascus Road Podcast. On the road to Damascus, Paul had a radical encounter with Jesus and his life was changed forever. That is what we hope and pray for here. Now, on to this week's episode. So that ad kind of still works on me now as a middle-aged man with a mortgage and retirement accounts. Um, For my son Zane, who was four at the time, he's now 15, so that's like an 11-year-old ad. (laughs) Um, He was right in the middle of their target demographic, and the effects of that ad on him were undeniable. Skyjump went from an unknown toy to the top item on his wish list. He got it. Um, (laughs) Usually I would say that a product like this ended up not being all that cool and that the ad was deceiving, but Skyjump slapped. (laughs) As Zane would now say as a 15-year-old. It must have broken eventually. We don't have it now, uh, or I would have brought it or something. Um, But it was good. Uh, This gift... And this gift and any associated purchase were directly related to Zane seeing that ad, which was like, so this is going to date things. I think we had like TiVo at the time or or like a DVR. We would fast forward things. And then like all of a sudden he was watching something where he ended up having to actually watch ads and Skyjump was on there. And that's why, yeah, we, we quickly got it. Now, often our online purchases now, um, they don't start with a plan. They start with a suggestion like this one. Uh, Now it's more like a post from an influencer that we follow, an ad on TikTok, YouTube, or in a podcast that we're listening to. Even Netflix, a former bastion of ad-free content, now offers a much more affordable subscription option with ads included. And for anyone who isn't aware, um, the free portions of the internet are supported by advertising dollars. Many of the most valuable companies in the world, Alphabet, which does Google and YouTube, Meta, which is Facebook and Instagram, Uh, Snap, X, or Twitter, as I still call it, (laughs) Um, whatever money TikTok makes for China, their money all comes almost entirely from advertisements. When we're browsing articles um, that are either written by humans or in some cases AI now, um, when we're watching free videos or browsing social media, it's all funded by a combination of the data that we are giving away for free and the advertisements being shown to us fueled by that data. They are everywhere. You may say, but Brad, these ads have no effect on me. I'm able to ignore them and score all that free content with no ill effects. Um, If that's true of you, you are in the minority. And I suspect that you're wrong (laughs) and in denial about the effect that ads have on you. Uh, It would be very odd for these billion and trillion dollar companies built on selling advertisements that will work are just dead wrong in your case. Here are a few examples uh, of ads that worked on me. A, I think, reasonably intelligent (laughs) and advertisement cynical adult. And these are things that I either currently use or bought that I can directly trace back to an ad. I shaved this morning. I shaved using a Harry's razor that was advertised to me on the relevant podcast. (laughs) Uh, I brushed my teeth this morning. I used a Quip electronic toothbrush, also relevant podcast advertisement. The socks that I am wearing are made by Bombas. Basically, every sock that I wear that's not just a white cotton sock is Bombas, also an advertisement. I listen to audiobooks quite regularly. Uh, I do that on Audible. I was turned on to Audible by an advertisement. Um, Lacey has a silk pillowcase 
from Blissey, which is lovely. <laughs> uh, I guess it like doesn't make your it makes your hair not frizz. I think is the big thing with the the silk Blissey pillowcase, and also Rodan Fields, which is which is pricey anti-aging skincare that you've probably seen someone trying to sell you on uh, social media if you are of a certain Asian female. <laughs> um, so those are just the ones that I know and can trace back to ads that I heard or saw really quickly. Those are also ones I'm semi-proud of. None of those are like, oh, I wasted some money on X, Y, and Z because I'm an idiot. I didn't show those. Um, <laughs> And it completely ignores some of the softer forms of ads, um, like things that we bought because they were on Shark Tank. I'm looking at you, Squatty Potty. Um, <laughs> or when we bought one product over another because they paid for a search placement-related ad on Google or Amazon. Or even softer, ones that we just have positive feelings about because of product placement or similar association with people or media that we like. And of the list we looked at, I don't actually regret any of those purchases. Um, there are things that we like. There are things that we'll continue buying. Uh, I would say that they have made small areas of my life better, but the ads absolutely worked. Uh, the marketing teams at these companies uh, were successful in creating new customers or stealing us away from other brands in the shaving and toothbrush examples. Now, the other side of this is what all these ads can do uh, to us both financially and spiritually or emotionally. A large portion of Americans are in credit card debt. Um, credit card debt recently hit a new high, and while a big part of the reason with what's going on uh, in our economy is that high inflation um, is, is fueling a lot of that, the problem of spending money that we don't have is very real in our country. Uh, one of the reasons for this is that we see ads all the time, and one of the unifying messages is that you need this product to be happy. Your life is incomplete. You need to spend some money on this product now. It takes a product you didn't know about and turns it into a need in your mind if the advertisement is, is successful. When clearly it's just something we want and in many cases is something we didn't even want when we woke up that morning. And the financial results um, are a problem, especially with credit card debt, as the high interest rates um, on that type of debt create a downward spiral that is very hard to get out from. Um, quick aside, uh, if you're using credit cards, which I use them <laughs> uh, pretty extensively, just pay them off every month, pay the full statement off. Statement balance is what you pay every month on a credit card. Minimum balance is a scam <laughs> to make you pay tons of interest. Pay off the full balance every month, very basic financial advice, Absolutely, you should do that. Not a key point to this message, just a side thing on how to manage finance as well. <laughs> um, now, if you don't get this right, not just credit cards specifically, but spending money you don't have, it can be a huge problem. Um, financial problems are one of the top drivers of problems in relationships, uh, one of the top causes of divorce. Mental health problems like anxiety and, or depression often stem from financial problems. Even physical health um, issues can be brought on by the increased stress caused by financial problems. And this stress bleeds over into the emotional and spiritual effects uh, of the message in these ads. Um, so the me that message being that you should not be content with your life as it is, that you need more, that your life with God and with your family and friends is insufficient, that you need to stand out from everybody else. So you should buy this product. If you buy it, you will fit in, or you'll be above other people, or you'll live a life that is so much better than you are living right now. And the ads that we come across all the time on the internet 
are designed to create want, to create dissatisfaction with our lives. And social media does much the same thing, uh, even though it's not always uh, the same intent. Um, but the result is that we can be left feeling worse about ourselves and our lives after spending time on our phones or tablets or just browsing the internet or social media. Or we end up poorer and in financial difficulty from buying things that promised happiness but didn't deliver. And unfortunately, um, these ads aren't going to go away. Um, they are a reality of our lives and especially our lives online. We can do some things to limit our exposure to them, um, but aside from entirely unplugging, um, you're going you're gonna to continue to see ads. So today we're going to talk about how to deal well with this aspect of our online experience. How do we see ads without becoming unhappy? How can we live lives of contentment and gratitude while we're constantly being told that we need more? And we're going to start, um, since I am a nerd and an economics major, with a very helpful concept from economics called opportunity cost. Who has learned about opportunity cost? Anyone? Oh, good. Good job, U of A. I like it. Okay. So, quick definition and then some applied examples going back to Gary Goleman clip. Opportunity cost is a concept in economics which quantifies the impact of selecting one option instead of the next best alternative. So next best alternative is kind of the key to what opportunity cost means. Um, so this is an idea to be applied to a decision on how we allocate limited resources, like our time, our attention, and our focus, or our money. All of those are limited resources. We are making decisions throughout our entire days and our entire lives on how we allocate those resources. Now, if we think back to the Gary Goleman clip and his decision to buy Shawshank Redemption on iTunes when he already owned it on DVD for $15. There are a few ways to think about the opportunity cost there. First, with his time. This is what he was actually deciding on. Um, buying it on iTunes cost him no time, <laughs> whereas watching the DVD would have required him reaching over and getting it, having to walk all the way to the DVD player, I think in one of his specials he says like, what am I, an indentured servant? He says something like that. <laughs> um, that is why he made the decision, because it was an analysis of those alternatives. That may not be of how he thought about it, but he was like, ah, I can save time buying this on iTunes. So that's kind of the opportunity cost there. Now the other side is money. If you look at it from the perspective of his miserly brother, who I um, sympathize with and align with, um, there are better uses for the $15 that he spent. Um, what, is the, what is next best, which is what opportunity cost means, is arguable, but just not spending it is a pretty good option, because then you leave open every possible option for those $15. Um, and a general good one, if you're just thinking about money decisions, is you can always invest money, and then it becomes more money later, and then your options grow and grow, or you can retire it a year earlier, not from $15. But those sorts of things, um, are, are ways to think about that. So, to apply this to our lives, let's talk about what's going on when a company puts something on sale, or like Prime Day. So, what they are doing is they are manipulating in your mind what your opportunity cost is. You will see this was $50, today it's $30, and you start thinking that your alternatives are to buy it for $50 some other day, or buy it for $30 now, when really, you also have the option of not buying it, which is free. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how opportunity costs work. And that's messing with it in your mind is one of the marketing techniques that they use. Um, but so anyway, whole point of all of that is thinking about the next best alternative 
to an action can keep you from doing some things like that that really don't make sense if you keep everything straight for what your next best alternative is. Um, so this is actually a useful way of thinking about decisions. If you define your next best alternative for your time and your money, it can be a game changer when it comes to seemingly small decisions, including $15 that actually do add up, because I do add it up. <laughs> um, all right, so how does this apply to ads we see online? Um, the thing that makes us the most susceptible to advertisements, and especially the types of ads that create discontentment in our lives, is when we are confused about what makes a life fulfilling, significant, and what makes us happy. If we don't know our best alternative, that which will really make us happy, we're pretty vulnerable to a message promising happiness. As an example, um, in a marriage, who is the most susceptible to having an extramarital affair? A person who is in a loving, fulfilling marriage, or one who is disillusioned by how, um, how their marriage actually is? By a spouse um, that they thought would fulfill them, make them happy, but who is not? Um, obviously, in this case, if you are fully satisfied with your marriage, your propensity to have an extramarital affair goes way down. Whereas if you are not, it goes up. Now, to be clear, in no ways is this a good reason to have an extramarital affair. No one should do that. But I think the, um, the alternative makes it pretty clear that the, the person who is satisfied in what their marriage is like um, is less likely to go and have an affair. Um, so the best defense against ads that attack your happiness and fulfillment is being content with your life. And this is right in the Bible. Um, Paul writes in Philippians, he says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That passage sums up what I'm saying really well. Um, we're gonna do some this other one I'm gonna share, I'm sharing it because it's what I actually use in my life because I memorized it a long time ago, and it's short. <laughs> uh, this is from the King James Version of Psalm 23. I realize that the only times I go to the King James Version is when it's something I memorized when I was like eight. <laughs> um, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, so being grateful for what you have uh, and hopeful for your future is what will help you be defended against these ads. This creates a situation where pursuing happiness through whatever the ad is promising um, means leaving what you have or deciding that what the ad is offering is better. So, I mean, these two verses got at it. What should our happiness, fulfillment, and hope be based on? What are the strong foundations that will help us easily deal with the promises uh, of these ads without incident? few more of my favorite Bible verses in this area. Uh, we already did Psalm 23, which like I said, is the one that I actually think about the most. Um, this next one is from John. It says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then from Isaiah. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So across all those verses, the common theme is that God is the answer to what fulfills us and gives us hope. 
If you find yourself dreaming of what, what life could be and how it could be greater than it is now, or seeing an ad that makes you unhappy with your life, the biggest problem uh, with the, the ad is that it is saying that something other than God is going to fulfill you. And the Bible tells us that he is the one that will satisfy us. It's Jesus who gives us the living water so that we will never be thirsty again. And I think the problem that we have with this idea um, is that the way God satisfies us is very different than what we see teased on Instagram. Um, A life being content and fulfilled by God isn't lying on a beach with a perfect tan. It isn't mountain biking through Colorado or backpacking across Australia or something that sounds or looks epic, despite uh, blisters and things like that that often happen in those scenarios. (laughs) Um, But it could involve all of those things. There's nothing wrong with them, but a life of contentment and fulfillment with God will likely look simpler. It will involve loving God and loving other people. It will likely have humble service, time spent praying, working hard to support yourself, to support your family, um, giving generously to people in need and not telling the entire internet about it. The people who are content with with their, in their lives with God who are fulfilled by him are likely not winning the social media and influencer game or at the very least they are not looking to those sources for validation or their worth because they get it from their creator. C.S. Lewis makes this point uh, in Mere Christianity very, very well. It's probably why it stuck with me well because that was a very influential book. Here's the, the passage on it. It says, God made us invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. So this is the first and best defense against ads that try to attack our contentment, being content in God, letting him be the fuel that we run on. Truly living this out will make ads offering happiness because of a new beer or a different kind of tortilla chip or a tropical getaway seem trivial. They may be fine, but we know where our fuel comes from. It comes from God. Now the second place that happiness and contentment comes from is from other people in community. Meaningful connections with other people, deep friendships, um, and this one is all over the Bible too. It's not a contradiction to it coming from God. Uh, a couple of quick ones that'll look familiar. This first one is, is Jesus talking to his followers. It says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And then from Ecclesiastes. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. I think this is also, I mean, the the Bible points this out very clearly. It's also pretty undeniably true in practice. Uh, Loneliness, loneliness sucks. Um, So we've all been through COVID recently. No one, I don't see any two-year-olds here. (laughs) Um, 
So why was COVID so hard? There were a lot of reasons COVID was hard. And first and foremost, I don't want to trivialize this, obviously people getting sick and dying was really, really hard, and the loss associated with that was hard. But for a lot of people, the social isolation uh, and loneliness was one of the biggest um, difficulties with the pandemic. Um, I see in the workforce, like when people are leaving a job or retiring, they only sometimes talk about how they're going to miss the work. They almost always talk about how they will miss the people they worked with. Uh, and people who've been retired for a while quickly realize that while work has things that they don't like about it, um, that the social interaction that came with it was really important to their happiness and well-being, even if at their job, they didn't have like their best friends in the world. Just that social interaction with other people is really important to our health. And there are even studies that back this up, uh, especially in the wake of the pandemic. In a publication from the CDC titled Loneliness and Social Isolation Linked to Serious Health Conditions, it states, social isolation significantly increased a person's risk of premature death from all causes a risk that may rival those of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. Neglecting relationships with other people will make you unhappy and unfulfilled. Prioritizing and nurturing relationships with other people will increase your level of happiness, connectedness, and overall health. And also, similar to how like a life with God being fulfilling doesn't look how we expect it to, um, a life of deep connectedness with other people isn't always positive and, and easy either. Um, it's not always going to be happy hours and laughing at dinner parties. Um, there's, you're, there's pettiness. Um, there's hurting each other going on. There's dealing with people as they go through hardship. Um, all of those things come with the territory of living in close community with people. Uh, and you shouldn't expect them not to happen. Um, but the, the answer to that is that the deep connectedness and going through those things together is worth it and it is better than sitting by yourself on the internet or, or whatever you would do by yourself um, in isolation from other people. So the two sources of contentment, happiness, and fulfillment. The first one is God. The second one is other people. And that should be a familiar looking list. Uh, this is from the book of Matthew. It says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So this, this passage is generally referred to as the first and second great commandments um, they are essentially telling us what will offer us contentment and happiness in life and really what life is all about. Um, it's about God and it's about other people. And we're going to get to some seemingly uh, more practical um, defenses against ads and their effects on us, but this is the, cru the crux of it. Be content in your life. Love God and love other people. Um, these are things that bring contentment and they are free. This is why there are very poor people who are happy and very rich people who are miserable. The secret to contentment, to gratitude, and to happiness is not through more stuff or whatever an ad is selling. It is through loving God and loving other people. All right, now we're going to go one step more practical. We're going to stick with the idea of opportunity cost. So the ads that we see um, will often try to, be, try to be getting us to spend money. 
Remember what we talked about with credit card debt. Uh, we need to not spend money we don't have. That's like financial management 101, make more than you spend. Do that over a long period of time, things will be good. <laughs> um, so let's see, this is in the Bible too. Credit cards didn't exist in those times, but credit did. It says in Proverbs, do not be one who shake, shakes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. Um, yep, don't spend money you don't have. <laughs> Again, uh, we think about this, in, if we think about this in terms of opportunity costs. So when we're presented with, hey, you should buy this thing, it's awesome. Um, what's our next best alternative? Often the problem is that we don't have one or we haven't thought about it. Um, so the remedy here is to be intentional about what you plan to spend your money on. Um, so this means having thought about um, and planned your money in advance, which is like having a budget or a financial plan. Um, so I have those things. It's a good thing to do. You should have a budget. You should have a financial plan. I do it where I plan out essentially every dollar, although there is like a, there's miscellaneous categories, so it's not like there's no flexibility in it. But if I see an ad, especially for something expensive, I do not ask myself if I can afford it. I think about what I have already planned to spend my money on, what people and organizations I have planned to give money to, what my savings goals are for my kids' ed education and my retirement, um, how much I have planned for vacations or spending money on gifts at Christmas time. If the ad fits into one of those categories, then okay, you know, th that could be, be, this is how I should allocate those dollars. But if it's something that's completely not, uh, not involved in that plan, I know that that means I've got to take it from something that, you know, I've, maybe I've got to save less for retirement. Maybe I've got to not save for my kids or not give money that I was planning to give or, or something along those lines. Um, and that's, that's the reality of what those decisions mean, even if you haven't planned it out. It does mean that you are choosing to spend it on the random thing you just saw advertised on the internet that looks awesome, instead of um, something that you would have chosen to spend it on if you sat down and planned it out and put it toward the things that you actually want. Um, so the idea there, and I, I even like, especially when I was younger, I didn't like the idea of a budget. Um, this is why I usually will call it a financial plan or a plan for spending. It is, if you just think about it of, planning your life and how you spend your money so that it aligns with what you actually value instead of what happens to come in front of your face, which is what happens with an advertisement. If you think about it like that, it really is just aligning your life with your values, with what's important, and, try, and that's part of trying to turn your life into what you want it to be and the things that you like and that God values as opposed to what Google, whoever paid for an ad on Google or on YouTube or, or TikTok or whatever. Um, so anyway, if you want to talk about how to do that, there's all kinds of good stuff. You can actually just Google it. There's all kinds of great resources on the internet. Um, some of them will have sponsored ads that'll pop up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, there's lots of good resources for that, and I can, I can help as well. Very similarly, you can apply the exact same thing of being intentional to our time. Um, and this gets into how we see fewer ads. A lot of the time that we end up seeing ads on the internet is when we are scrolling mindlessly, killing time reading articles, scrolling social media, or watching TikTok or YouTube. And these choices with our time, just like our choices with our money, are choices against other options, whether intentional or not, and just a little bit of scrolling 
um, can turn into so much time wasted because it's so addicting. Um, there's, there's really not a whole lot wrong with, watch, you know, with scrolling for 10 minutes. It's, the problem is much more when you, it ends up being half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half, or something like that, and it really does start pushing out things that you meant to spend your time on. Now, one possible remedy to the situation, similar to budgeting or put, having a financial plan, is to think through how you want to spend your day, your week, or your month, and planning your time to align with your values and goals. Um, rarely, when we sit down and think through that intentionally and what type of person we want to be and what type of activities turn you into that type of person, doom scrolling is never in the list. <laughs> um, it's more of a default when there is nothing else going on. Um, again, Proverbs talks to this, but in a less techy sense. Uh, it says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. If we think of our time as a valuable and limited resource, which is what it is, we can plan out how we can use that time to build and live the life that we want. We can plan time for prayer, for exercise, for building meaningful relationships with people. We can even choose with a clear mind how we want our time of rest or unwinding to look. That's often what we're doing when we're scrolling. Um, I know for me, that if when I'm unwinding, I prefer to sit and read a, f a physical copy of a book is one of the things that I find the most refreshing and, and calming, half the time I fall asleep, um, or to play a video game on a console, like a game that I actually like and want to play as opposed to the random time-wasting games on my phone. Um, so think about what you really want out of your screen time uh, or what you actually want to purchase and choose the options that you prefer. And scrolling social media is perfectly fine. That, that is a way to, to keep up with people. Um, but I, I would recommend trying to put a, a time limit on it and also to, to think about, I mean, in the case of social media, this isn't really my topic, but um, you know, it creates envy. So you need to understand, like, you know what you post and what your real life is like. No one's life is as good as it looks on social media or on Instagram. It's just not. So keep that in mind. It's, it's like the same thing with ads. Um, so, I mean, like, for, this can be as simple. I mean, you could do a, a detailed schedule. It can also be as simple as, okay, I want my unwinding time to be sitting down and reading a book for 30 minutes after dinner. And you just make that decision because you're, I mean, it, it's kind of an alternative to, I'm gonna sit and doom scroll instead. Um, and this, this idea gets into one of the overall themes for this series, which is if you aren't choosing to be discipled by Jesus and structure your life around him, you will default to being discipled by your phone and by the companies that are paying for your attention. One of these paths, being discipled by Jesus, leads to life, fulfillment, and contentment. The other leads to anxiety, want, and then disappointment. All right, we're gonna go to one last level of practical and watch an ad and then talk about its message. So one of our best defenses against the effects of advertisements is to identify the lies or implied truths within them. If you start out thinking that they may be lying to you, it helps. <laughs> um, I will caveat that not every ad has a lie. Some are just informational, like when I randomly see an ad about a treatment for moderate to severe eczema, um, which is not targeted, I don't have that. <laughs> um, it's mostly just trying to say that this treatment exists. Uh, it might imply that it's the best treatment, which could potentially be a lie, uh, but there isn't anything built in there that is untrue. 
All right, let's watch this ad. I've seen it a lot because it played on MLB TV a lot last year. I'm Jay, and this is my home. My first big purchase with help from Loan Depot. This is where I play my favorite music. This is where I grow my small garden. It's here that I laugh. It's here that I learn. It's my sanctuary. It's my place. It is my home. Home means everything to me. To find out what Loan Depot can do for you, call 844-752-LOAN or visit LoanDepot.com. All right. What are the lies or messages in that ad that aren't true? And I picked one that is a little bit subtle on purpose. There's nothing awful here. It's not like telling you to go ruin your life. But the core of their message is untrue. <laughs> so some of the points here. Joe, or Jay, who's Joe? Jay is a new homeowner due to his loan from Home Depot. Good for Jay. Uh, depending on his interest rate or mortgage, at least, that could have been a very good decision by, by Jay. In his home, Jay enjoys his favorite music. He grows his garden. This is where he laughs and where he learns. All good things. The lie that is implied by this ad is that he could not, have, he could not do these things if he had not bought this home with, with Loan Depot. The truth is that there's nothing about these activities or the implied great life that Jay is leading that couldn't be done in an apartment or in a rented space or even with roommates. Jay is very alone, if you noticed. He likes to hang out by himself. Um, in fact, his home looks like a condo or a flat, which is just an apartment that you own instead of rent. Um, it also shows things that people think of as a good life. I don't actually like the things he's doing, so this doesn't work on me at all. I'm just like, that doesn't look that fun. Um, but it, it leaves out more realistic activities. This ad would be much funnier if it showed him just sitting on his couch scrolling through his phone, which is a much more likely activity that everyone does um, than dancing by himself to his very hip vinyl. Um, Again, it's implying that instead of wasting a bunch of time, like you do in your crummy rental, <laughs> you sit and scroll on your phone, not Jay. He owns his, his place. He dances and grows his garden, which you wish you could do, which you can do, because it doesn't matter if you own your home. <laughs> so what it's trying to say is that if you buy a place, specifically through Loan Depot, you'll have a hip and fulfilling life like Jay, and everything will be better. So that's how it works to identify a lie in an ad. A lot of ads have stuff like this. And we know this. I mean, we know that they're trying to sell us something. Um, I even give some amount of props to them when they're clever, uh, but, but don't believe them, especially when they are promising to fill your need for connection, for hope, or for fulfillment. Those things come from God and from other people. They do not come from a new purchase or a new product it's okay to learn from an ad about a new restaurant and try it out, but just remember that they're often selling you something that they can't deliver on. If we keep this in mind while we scroll, we can interact with ads and online shopping well. All right, to recap. Um, first, we need to find our contentment and fulfillment in God and other people, because if you are already content, ads promising a better life will be powerless. Second, be intentional. Have a plan for your time and for your money. And if you don't have one, plan to make a plan. <laughs> like you can't like right now develop an entire plan, but you can be like, yes, I am doing this. I will do it after church day. I will do it Monday after work or after class. You can make a plan to make a plan, which is really important. <laughs> and then obviously, uh, with any plan, following through on it <laughs> um, is arguably the most important part. 
All right, third, recognize the lies that ads are telling you and point them out. Uh, I would also say, this could be my personality, but it's okay to make fun of the ads. Uh, when I was watching MLB TV, I made fun of Jay's ad over and over again. Um, so this will help you avoid the worst of their influence. Um, again, knowing what is true um, will help you identify the lies that are built into these. So, kind of to close, um, don't let ad companies tell you what makes a good and fulfilling life. God has already told you what makes a good and fulfilling life. Um, let them stick to telling you about a product that can make one area of your life a little better or eczema cream in case you have or get eczema. Leave the realm of giving your life, uh, giving your life meaning to God, um, to your loved ones, and to the mission that he has for us in the world, which is loving God and loving other people. Let's pray. Dear God, um, I thank you that that your offer um, to live with you is available to all of us. I thank you that, um, that you made us to run on you, to live with you, uh, and that if and when we do that, um, that you fuel us, God. We love you, Lord. We pray that you would help us um, as, we, as we interact um, on the internet, uh, with each other, with social media, Lord, that, uh, that we would just stay grounded in our contentment in you um, and in the the value and priority of you and other people, Lord. We love you, God. Pray for these things in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining the Damascus Road podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus together by being with God, loving everyone, transforming people, developing leaders, growing new ministries, and changing the world. You can find out more about us online at Damascus Road Tucson dot com.